Welcome to the Force of Light podcast. I'm your host, Reverend Michelle Smith. Thank you, as always, for tuning in today's episode, and I hope it's a blessing to you. Uh, and please, I'd like to encourage you all to please share our podcast, share this podcast with someone that you think it may be a blessing to. Well, today we have the privilege of having again. He's been a guest on this show twice, and that is my brother, Reverend Michael Smith. Michael, how are you? Good. Good to be with you today. Yes, glad to have you. And before we get started, uh, Michael has his own podcast. Why don't you tell them where they can find you? Um, my podcast is called Awaken to Truth with Michael Smith. That's Awaken to Truth with Michael Smith. And you can find me on Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Podcast. Um, several others. We do have people that listen from Stitcher and Podchaser. I think it's Podchaser or Podbean, yeah. but on all the major podcast outlets. So uh, uh, we are there. And uh, if you'd like to check those out, I'd certainly appreciate it. Yes. Yeah, definitely check that out. Well, today uh, we are going to be talking about a subject. It's something that I've kind of wanted to discuss for a while now, and I just have it gone with it, but since he, Michael, Michael's actually here today, he's in town, and since he was here, it thought it felt like a good time to discuss this topic, and that is the issue of Christianity and censorship. So that is what we're going to be discussing today, and I've really wanted to discuss this ever since after January 6th, and shortly after that, Twitter suspended the, pre the then president of the United States, Donald Trump, off of Twitter. They have now banned him indefinitely forever. And Facebook did the same. And, and on that day, they began banning just in mass amounts conservatives. And what was so sad to me to watch that, regardless of what side of the political spectrum you are, it was so sad for me to watch people in America cheer on First the president and then all kinds of other conservatives getting banned, literally censorship, freedom of speech not being allowed, to the point that it, it to me was embarrassing when the president of Mexico, uh, whatever she is called in Germany, different leaders and some of them that really don't even like Trump began to rebuke the censorship that they saw going on. And I just think it's a sad day in America when other countries including Mexico, are rebuking what's going on as far as loss of freedom in this country. And on that day, too, they, they didn't stop there. The big tech kept going, and they found a way to get Parler, which had become an alternative social, web, or, yeah, social media platform for all people. They'll label it as just conservatives, but it's for anyone. And they, they banned that. They, they literally, it was like one, it was like dominoes falling of mass censorship for people. And it just was very sickening and frightening. And one of those things, and shout out to Parler, by the way, that just got back up as of last night. So congratulations to Parler for coming back. But it, it is just kind of frightening if you think, it was the first time that I truly felt or kind of asked myself, is this even America anymore? And so we just want to talk about that today because 
As I tweeted out before I got rid of my personal Twitter, because I don't stand for censorship, and especially in America from an American company, that's just unacceptable to me. So I, they're not going to get anything from me at that point. I just got off of Twitter. Um, but still, it, it, it was the first time in my life I truly asked the question, kind of, is this even America? And, and as I tweeted out, and I said, you know, basically, Christians, if you don't think they're coming for you next, then you're blind. And that's kind of what I want to discuss. Again, regardless of where you fall on the spectrum uh, politically, this is not a political issue. This should be not a, a, a Republican or Democrat or independent issue. It's an issue of freedom or not. And here is my thing. If freedom of speech is under attack then freedom of religion is under attack because you cannot have one without the other. Um, so that's kind of what I discussed today. Uh, Michael, any thoughts that you have? Yeah, well, it, you know, it is certainly a concerning development that we're seeing. And, um, you know, I never thought that Angela Merkel, that's that's the, yeah. the German, uh, I've never viewed her as a, a beacon of freedom and, um, you know, democratic values. She's always been kind of a far left globalist type. Uh, but when you have those types of voices condemning what's taking place, you really know how far it's gone. And people have to begin to understand, you know, the the agenda and the game plan that we're seeing executed right in front of us. And people that I call Democrats are going to have to wake up to the fact that their party is now run by what I call leftist. Yes. Because there is, uh, I like to differentiate because I know many Democrats that don't actually agree with leftist but they have not figured out that that is what's running the Democratic Party in 2021. Yes, because you even have someone like Biden, who's supposed to be as in the middle or old blue dog Democrat as they come. And what's he done in week one? Well, he's done like, at this point, he's done like over 53 executive orders mm -hmm. and the most of any president by far. Uh, which, you know, in the past they used to say made you a dictator, but I guess not now since Biden's the one doing it. Um, but but my point is, is he's executing, as we say, lefty agendas. It's no longer middle of the road, blue dog Democrat agendas. That just really doesn't exist anymore. No, I mean, having um, an executive order to enforce men who want to be women to be able to <laughs> to be able to play in women's sports so in other words transgender men being able to participate at the collegiate level in female sports that's not a centrist type of order i mean no. that, that's something coming directly from what i call the leftist wing and so it also kind of signals uh, that uh, it seems like joe is you know, willing to be a figurehead for this leftist type of movement within his party, and he is no longer uh, willing to be a centrist Democrat, which, in my view, is becoming uh, almost non-existent. There's less and less of them, uh, you know, as as time goes along. Yeah, I mean, there definitely seems to be. 
And I mean, it's just what I'm, you know, wanting to get at today is kind of my way of saying, wake up to people again. And and really, as we're saying, many of the people who consider themselves classic liberals will tell you they can no longer really vote for the Democratic Party because it ceased to be liberal in a classical meaning. And I think that's what I'm trying to get at, you know, to any of you who maybe identify as a liberal, um, you can't be liberal and sit there and applaud mass censorship, which I watched. And, and that just really is, it's despicable to me, really, to watch that. Because again, that's not a, that shouldn't be an aisle issue. That is an American issue. I mean, America is built upon the idea of freedom. And again, as we're saying, freedom of speech, which leads into freedom of religion. And I I just want to say this again, if they're coming for conservatives, because those, well, here's a good example. There's a lovely makeup artist who Sephora just cut ties with because she has been vocal about the fact that she voted for Trump. She's been vocal about the fact that she is a Christian and they just cut ties with her. Because they, in quote, her conservative values don't align with Sephora. That's a quote. Mm-hmm. And if you think that, oh, well, that's just a, a, a random case. No, that's the way that the media, the mainstream media, the, the corporations that basically run the country, that is where it's going. That if your values do not align with us, and that is any form of conservative values, and that should be speaking, when I say conservative, I mean in a Christian way, Uh, if those values don't align with us, then you're out. We're not going to do business with you anymore uh, because you don't align with us. And that's a very frightening place for America to be. Well, I think we saw, um, particularly during the Obama administration, and um, I'm not really picking on him, I didn't. I didn't vote for Obama, but I didn't vote for John McCain either. Uh, I wasn't particularly excited about either of them at that time. But I, I did, you know, uh, approach that Ob- Obama administration, uh, giving him a chance. Truly, I mean, I truly was like, well, I, I hope he, I hope he does well. Um, I kind of think he's far left, but I hope he proves me wrong. Well, you know, he ended up not proving me wrong, but. My point is, during his administration, political correctness um, really got turned up exponentially. And I think that what I didn't even recognize at the time, that now is becoming very clear, is that political correctness is a form of soft censorship. Definitely. And once we become so accustomed to soft censorship, which in essence becomes self-censorship because we don't want to step outside of what is politically correct for fear of being maligned or for fear of being canceled um, canceled (laughs) or kind of ostracized or whatever, then we begin to just self-censor. Um, and I, uh, the church that I currently pastor in Cleveland, Ohio, we have a Russian congregation that rents from us. And so they have service during off times when we're not using the facility. And many within that congregation were a part of the first group of Russians that came over mm. in the late 1980s. 
And so as I have talked to some of them uh, during, uh, you know, some of these things that have gone on, you know, there's kind of a communication barrier with some of the older ones because of the Russian language and the way they communicate the things. But essentially, uh, you know, what they have conveyed to me is that much of the censorship in the Soviet Union, they were so beat down that they got to the point that government censorship was not even really needed because people just self-censored. They just censored themselves by never speaking out, never saying anything even remotely that might touch the fringe of being controversial or something that the government wouldn't agree with. And so they didn't even have to have anybody impose it upon them. They just did it themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think they have. Been, that has been kind of the plot for quite a while now. And you see that happening. And I just kind of got to the place where I just don't, I'm not going to self-censor myself. I mean, obviously, I'm not going to say some things, especially on Twitter where, or places like that, where you're, they're not going to give you the benefit of the doubt and they assign things that you don't mean. That's not what I'm saying. But I think we do need to be aware about are we censoring ourselves and just kind of to begin to pick up, as Michael said, I believe at the beginning, kind of the game that's being played here and don't play the game anymore. Uh, we have to wake up, and, and that's even a good thought. Has the church in the last several years, have we kind of self-censored ourselves? Well, I think that absolutely, as it became increasingly unpopular to speak about things such as homosexuality, I think that we absolutely censored ourselves on that topic. Um, I think as it became increasingly unpopular to uh, talk about abortion. I think often we silenced ourselves on that topic. And obviously, you know, this is a different discussion for a different day, but there's obviously right and wrong ways to approach those subjects. And, yes. and, and you know, sometimes there were elements of the church that approached it in a very counterproductive way. But uh, kind of our response to that, so that we're not painted as this fundamentalist bigot, is we just stopped talking about it altogether and we lost those battles. And here's the thing. If we don't wake up now, the next battle that we're going to lose is that transgenderism and even beyond that, transgender children is going to be pushed as a very natural, normal and wonderful thing. Yes, as they're already doing that. And yeah, that is kind of the next thing. Or I mean, there's so many subjects, you know, to those of you listening, it's just kind of like, say, even critical race theory. Um, the church should absolutely stand against racism and, you know, address that if it's needed. And, uh, you know, because in the scripture, we all, we all are made under the image of God, but we also then can't be scared to address the fact, since we do believe we are all made equal in the image of God, the fact that this new idea that white people are inherently racist, that's equally wrong and equally needs addressed. So there's just all these different things that are being brought up that the church is either going to speak up and correct. And, you know, you may, some people in the audience may be bothered by that because they live in this politically correct society and that's what they want. But if we don't speak up and we continue to allow our voice to be silenced, on our, our, due to us, we're self-censoring, as we said, then we're just going to continue to allow things to take place. Because I was listening to someone say this, and I believe it's true. Um, if you cut, we basically are under kind of a culture war. We've been under a culture war. And it's like, 
you kind of have to engage in that because if not, policies always are downstream. It's first the culture war and then policies are made after it. And it's kind of time for the church to begin to engage in some of those things and to begin to push back. And again, not to self-censor because that is, as we said, a lot of people have and pastors have out of fear of offending people. Um, but I mean, again, there's a right way to address things. And as long as you address things in a, you know, a kind, loving way, they do have to be addressed. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, there, there was a time that there were certain things that I just kind of stayed away from, not really in the sense that I gave it a lot of thought. It was just something that, uh, you know, I just didn't, I, I didn't address. And so, I'll, you know, one of those issues for me personally was abortion. It just wasn't something that I uh, really approached. It wasn't something that I talked about. And, and so, uh, because I, essentially, even though I, I wouldn't have said it this way, it's like I kind of knew that we had badly lost that battle. Yeah. And, um, and and so just continuing to, you know, to, to go on it, I just didn't see the point. But I'll say this, um, ironically, uh, a, a billionaire from New York uh, had more, uh, if you want to call it guts, I guess, than so many preachers across the country as he began to kind of bring it back to the forefront. And as he began to bring it back to the forefront, there actually began to be in some people – uh, kind of a hope that, well, maybe something could be done about abortion. And so uh, I say all that to say this, uh, in the last year or two, um, the Lord has kind of opened my eyes that the big problem with abortion in the pulpits and very much in the pews is not as much that we've lost the battle, which we have, we did lose that battle, but the bigger problem is the hardness of heart that doesn't really care. Yeah, that, and that is very sad. And I mean, speaking of that, you know, again, <laughs> talking about uh, how non-centrist of a position our current president is taking, um, Biden, you know, not only signed an executive order for us to give our tax money to more abortions, but to send money overseas for more abortions. Right. Because it's it's... I mean, it's just insane. And I think one of the reasons uh, pastors have been kind of shy on that subject, it's like I know someone, a very anointed woman, was raised actually a pastor's kid, uh, and when she was young, had an abortion. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now my point in saying that is now she's a very anointed singer when she sings, very much a Christian and things like that. My point I'm trying to get at is I think people are afraid I just use her as an example. Uh, there's plenty of women who may come and have had one, and they don't want them to feel judged. Mm-hmm. But I think, again, we have to find a right way to let them know there's forgiveness and they're welcome. And it's not a, you know condemning them, but the action itself is wrong. Well, I, I have begun to sound the alarm in my congregation about all of these issues, um, uh, abortion, uh, homosexuality, which uh, there's several families in the church that have homosexual children. And so, you know, but I mean, I can't, that that doesn't change 
what the scripture says. It doesn't change what the Holy Spirit wants to do. The Holy Spirit wants to deliver people from those things. Uh, but, you know, nevertheless, uh, you know, I begin to sound the, the alarm on those issues and the way that I have kind of phrased it that I think can be helpful for some people is we have to differentiate, for example, in each of those issues between the spirit behind abortion versus those who have uh, had abortions. Um, we have to be very compassionate to the those that have had abortions. We have to be very bold, uh, you know, through the power of his Holy Spirit and even militant uh, in that way, in a spiritual sense, against the evil spirit behind abortion. We have to be compassionate to the person struggling with homosexuality in the pew, or maybe even the one that has already gone full-blown into that lifestyle, versus the wicked agenda behind homosexual the homosexual agenda, or that spirit behind it, because that spirit behind it now... Uh, we're seeing just how evil it is, as Joe Biden said in his uh, discussion, his town hall discussion with Stephanopoulos, uh, he said uh, he's all for an eight-year-old boy becoming a girl or an yeah. eight-year-old girl becoming a boy surgically and from a hormonal perspective. So that the fact that we have not stood our ground on these other things for fear of, oh, no, we're going to hurt someone's feelings. I understand, you know, I understand where they're coming from, but now we're reaping the fruit of just how wicked these agendas actually are. Yes, and, and I think, too, if this nation is ever going to begin to head in a good direction, it is going to take the church engaging in some of these things and truly beginning to hit these difficult subjects head on. Because we can't just say, "Oh, well, it's lost." Like you're gonna have to, uh, you're gonna have to get with it and just be strong and be bold and begin to address some of these things to engage in that fight. Again, we wrestle not, uh, but but we are to wrestle. <laughs> um, we have to keep kind of wrestling and going against those things that are there and engage in those things. And you know, something that is. Uh, kind of interesting, uh, for four or five years, the media has really demonized basically any form of conservative, calling them Nazis, racist, bigots, transphobe, homophobe, all the different phobes that you can be. And, and yet, something I want you to get on the subject of censorship. Uh, over the summer, I was watching the Indiana Jones trilogy, and in the third one, they, of course, are, are they are in Nazi Germany. And there is a scene where Indiana Jones happens to be at a book burning. And I just want to point out that there are multiple ways to burn books. And I want you to notice who's burning books right now. Because the way they're burning books is through silencing people's voices on YouTube, on Twitter, on Facebook, uh, off of Apple platforms, it is happening in mass numbers at a very alarming rate, and there is zero difference in what Nazi Germany did in burning books and what big tech is doing right now to freedom of speech. Yeah, and I think that uh, that's very telling because um, if you're all about control or kind of an authoritarian type of regime, um, 
you have to force that because you can't win based upon your ideas because your ideas are terrible. And like most people don't want to accept those ideas. So the fact that uh, Dorsey and Zuckerberg and, and uh, you know Google and all of these things, the fact that they're doing all of this censoring goes to show that they are not confident in their ideas. Now, they, yeah. they may dress it up as, you know, middle America is just such a bunch of stupid hicks that we don't know any better and, and we can't really be left to our own devices. So, I mean, they might, they might dress it up in arrogance, but essentially what they are saying with this censorship is we cannot win in the, um, you know, in the courtroom of ideas. Our ideas will not win. So we have to make sure that other ideas are not heard and that it is only our ideas and only our agenda that people hear. And if you only have one to choose from, then yeah. there's, you know, there, you, you're only going to go the way that they want you to go. Yes. And, and what I'm saying from a Christian perspective through all of this is don't be surprised. You know, so many churches, especially because we were shut down with COVID and forced to go home, even smaller churches now have gone into, uh, you know, streaming their services live on different services. Don't be surprised if we continue to sit back and take mass censorship as one by one, those churches get removed from these platforms if they have the guts to bring up some of the things we're saying. And that's where, you know, I would like to, you know, appeal, you know, Michael lives, lives in an area that, it, as he brought up, uh, you know, old Democrat type thing. But also to all of my, you know, African-American brothers and sisters that statistically vote about 90 percent for the Democratic Party. And, you know, I ask I ask you that are Christians, you know, what are they doing for you at this point? And it's not about a party. Here's how I'm saying to, I vote. Listen, I vote this way. Which, because we do sadly have two parties uh, at this point, you know, who's going to uphold religious liberty and freedom? Who's going to uphold freedom of speech? And right now I can't say that's the Democratic Party. I just can't. From everything that's gone on, from what has been happening, I can't. And again, you know, to those African-American uh, Christians, they're going to come for you too, no matter how you vote, if you are preaching the truth and we continue to sit back and just let this happen. They're not going to say, oh, well, they voted for me, so they're fine. No, they're going to say they need silence. They're speaking things that we don't agree with and they need to get off this platform. Yeah, a absolutely. And, um, you know, I, I have found, I have had uh, many interactions with the black community. Uh, the first church I pastored was yes. uh, in, in a primarily black area, and, and it was all white when I got there. And by the time I left, we were probably 30% black. Um, you know, I go to the east side of Cleveland and minister in a homeless shelter. That is before, um, you know, they, they shut it down for COVID. But the east, Cle the east side of Cleveland is is all black. Uh, I've got several friends that are very uh, good friends. I, I mean, like in my top five friends that are black. So I've had a lot of interactions with the black community. And what I believe that that the black community needs to wake up to is that inherently most uh, black people lean more conservative in their viewpoints. They're not like 
promoting the homosexual agenda. Uh, transgenderism is not important to them. Yeah. Uh, they're not like out there rallying for the Green New Deal. <laughs> I mean, all of the things that the Democratic platform is now pushing by and large, do not support kind of the inherent values of the black community. But, uh, you know, they, they just kind of, you know, give the black community a pat on the back while uh, not really doing a whole lot. You know, I, I get that at one point they had done some positive things. But, um, you know, just just using Trump for an example, uh, he can you, know, can you name those positive things? Well, I, I mean, in the 60s, you know, there was some positive things with the civil rights thing. And then they kind of used that to, like, almost guarantee that the black vote has to automatically go Democrat. But but can we say on the record, since we're here, mm-hmm. which side actually majority voted for that to end, for, for those laws to end? Uh, was it the Republicans? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, certainly it was the Republicans that kicked it all off back in the 1800s. I mean, that was the Republican Party. Um, and it was a majority, for those of you listening, it was a majority-led Republican Party that led to end uh, the, the, those laws in the yeah, 60s. Yeah, and so, you know, I, I would just urge this. The black community, if you're black and you're listening, do your own research. Get engaged with what these things are because I say this like almost kind of like the Star Wars, like Obi-Wan, your only hope. Yeah. The black community, you are at the point that you can forge the destiny of this country moving forward. Yes. Whether you know it or not, that power is in your hands because um, if you switched uh, and began to vote for a more conservative platform – which I believe is very inclusive to you. Because I think if you look at what Trump did, uh, black unemployment was very low. He did away with the bad crime bill that was uh, put in place by Bill Clinton that incarcerated many thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of black young men for petty crimes. That Biden voted for. That Biden voted for. He undid that. He did prison reform. He funded black universities for the next decade, whereas previously these uh, uh, universities had to come every year to try and get their funding, and Trump did it for the next decade. Uh, I believe that a true conservative, uh, and I'm not a George Busher, okay? So I, I you know, the old guard conservative, uh, quote unquote Republican, I'm not a fan of that, but I think the new conservative platform is very inclusive and very positive for the black community. Um, and so, you know, the, the black community has a lot of power moving forward as to whether this country is going to continue to go this leftist route or whether we're going to be able to turn and kind of uh, uh, course correct. Yes. And, and we're saying this, too, again, that as we specify, I don't even I refuse to call the, the current left liberal because they're not liberal. They are not. They are lefties and kind of elitist. I think that's pretty obvious. Mm. But if we continue to go down that path, our, you're going to continue to watch freedoms be taken away. That's just, that's the bottom line. Every time they get more power, they seek to take away more freedom. And literally, as soon as Biden was in, they began to, uh, they began to take more freedom, mass Mm -hmm. censorship. It was all plotted together pretty clearly. That's not some conspiracy. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and you're just, you are going to have to begin to, to look because the mainstream media media is going to continue to say, oh, well, that group does this or that. But again, as he said, do your own research. Usually what the media tells you, they're projecting what they do. 
onto another group. It's it's the exact opposite. Yeah. And so let, let me give you a very simple example of that. The media for months said Andrew Cuomo was the greatest governor in the country. Yeah. It is now – well, if you did your research, first off, you've known all along that wasn't the case. Now it's coming out that Andrew Cuomo was basically involved – we won't go into details – but he was basically involved in like an old-fashioned mafia-type New York corruption where uh, he was willfully allowing elderly people to die – to pad the pockets of certain hospitals and certain interest groups that uh, he had cut some deals with. Yes, and will he be held accountable I by hope, our media? I hope so. Probably not. <laughs> I'm saying by the media is yeah. the sad truth, uh, who pandered to him all that time. Uh, but that's kind of our point, is where do you want this to go? And again, I appeal to you today, not as Republican or Democrat, but as a Christian, and as a Christian, it's time to wake up and to see if they're coming after conservatives, we're next. Like, we are next in line. Like, they do not, as they said about the, the, the Christian makeup artist, her values do not align with Sephora's. And that's going to begin to happen more and more. And again, let's go back to Germany. I know, I guess Gina Carano just got fired by Disney for making a comparison, so... But I don't work for Disney, so I can make the comparison if I want. But what what did Germans what did Germany begin to do to Jews? They cut them out of their businesses. That was the first step. Economic uh, yep. censorship. Yep, that's where it started at first. And I think you're you're even seeing that on some scale with these people. And as much as we say, oh well, it will never go further. As soon as you say that, they'll they'll take it further. So it's time now to begin to get vocal. To not allow them to uh, to mute you, to muzzle you, to censor you. Don't allow them basically to burn books in our face, figuratively speaking there. Uh, and to begin to speak up. Because if we don't speak up now as Christians, they're just going to keep coming. And it's time, as we said, to get engaged in this culture war. Uh, we are in a culture war whether you like it or not. And, you know, the scripture does say to live peacefully with people as long as you can. Mm. And we're not saying to, uh, to wage war in some violent way. That's not what we're saying. We're saying to use your, your words to begin to speak out. Do you know why the Pharisees hated Jesus? It's pretty clear when you read through John. They hated his words is what John says. Mm -hmm. And if we as Christians begin to speak the truth, they will hate our words but you're just going to have to ask the Holy Spirit to empower you so you can begin to speak up. Because us shutting ourselves up has not helped. It's made things really bad. And that's kind of on us to a degree. So it's time for us to begin to speak up. Yeah, I'll, 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 this is the last thing I'll say, and I'll turn it to you to close. But I have noticed some Christians kind of have have this deterministic mindset, and I think it is is I kind of did a podcast episode on this, but it's kind of rooted in some bad uh, theological thoughts, kind of like, oh well, it's all going to end anyway. The Antichrist is coming, and it's all over, and we're all going to, you know, get whisked away in the in the in the rapture. And I'm not I'm not making a statement for here or against the rapture, one way or the other. But what I'm saying is, when you, that's very bad thinking, because what if that was the mentality that prevailed in the 1940s as Hitler was trying to take over the world? 
oh, well, the Bible says there's a world leader that's going to take over and rule everything anyway. So Hitler's probably him. Let's just lay down. This is already predetermined and uh, nothing we can do about it. No, that's not the way it works. That's not the way it works. Yeah, I mean, not at all. And again, you know, we're using terminology of real war that was engaged. But the point is, is what, again, as I said, whether you realize it or not, we are in a culture war. We are losing that culture war, but it's time to regather and to begin to wage war. And again, that is not by being harsh. That is not by uh, speaking things hateful. But that is by having, being willing to address things, the elephant that's been in the room in the church that we just keep ignoring. That's us, you know, not allowing them to censor us and to begin to speak out and to begin to just preach the word of God for all of the word of God and not be concerned with what the media says is acceptable or not acceptable. And as Christians, again, as we close, you do not sit back, no matter what side or who you voted for, do not sit back and think it is acceptable for mass censorship to happen in the United States of America. As I said at the beginning, it is an absolute embarrassment that other leaders and countries, in fact, other countries are beginning to shut out Facebook and things because they see what it's done. It is, it is not acceptable for people who call yourselves Christians or, or just Americans in general to sit there and cheer on the censorship that is going on. And again, even if you voted as for the Democratic Party, do not think for one second if you are a Christian and you hold those Christian values that they are coming for you with their censorship because they absolutely will. And if we don't begin to band together and to begin to stand against it, it's going to be too late. And that's going to be a very sad day for this country because we've already reached a pretty sad day in this country. But I do not believe all hope is lost. I believe that if we will truly begin to pray, and maybe you're the type of personality who truly needs to pray for, for boldness, for strength, but also for wisdom, how to engage, how to, to deal with these things, and how to speak up. But ask God for the encouragement, for the, the strength to speak up against some of these things and to begin to push back and to begin to pray against the principalities and powers that are clearly at, have been at work and are working very strongly in this nation right now. So begin to do that, but but that's kind of it for this episode. Uh, Michael, one more time, tell them where they can find you, and thanks for coming. Uh, any of the yeah, thank you for having me. Any of the main podcast platforms: Apple, Spotify, Google Podcast, Stitcher, um, and you can find me at uh, it's just Awakened to Truth with Michael Smith. Yes, well, thank you so much, and that is it for this episode of the Force of Light podcast. Um, if you want to reach out to me, you can email me at forceoflightmedia.com. I would love to hear from you. Um, but I will close very briefly. Uh, actually, Michael, I'll let you close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you and we thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. I thank you, dear Lord, that in the midst of every season, there is victory that you have for your people. Uh, in the midst of every darkness, there is light at the end of the tunnel. And I pray, Lord, that people today would be encouraged, that they would be strengthened, that their faith would arise, that their hope would return, and that your love 
would be present, poured out in their hearts by your Holy Spirit, and that you would begin to awaken people across this country and across this world. And we give you the praise and we give you the glory and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, as always, I hope that you all are filled with the Holy Spirit and joy, and I will catch you all next time. But in the meantime, do walk in light and be salt and light in this world. All right. Bye.